We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dork. You're listening to the Uncontested what is up welcome to the uncontested podcast we are part of the blue wire podcast network and the official pot of boomtownhoops.com coming your way live sunday night 9 p.m actually 9 15 p.m because taylor had to watch the chiefs <laughs> Close so enough. 9 15 p.m we are live on youtube facebook periscope via twitter this will also be on our podcast feed shortly after we are done going live. So thank you guys for joining us, whether you're watching us live or listening to the podcast version. We appreciate you. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I've got Nick Crane along tonight. Tom Brady, the goat. We have one Justin Peabody in the Hello, house. everybody. And we have the guy that's about to rant about the Chiefs for the first 30 minutes of the podcast. Taylor Peterson. So I really want to start uh, with the Chiefs offense tonight, guys. Um, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Welcome to the Uncontested, by the way, the official Kansas City Chiefs podcast of the Blue Wire ne uh, Podcast Network. Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, or sorry, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, first two teammates to ever record 100-plus yards on the offensive end um, in a single game and post season history if i'm remembering that correctly the longest of my head. stat of all yeah. time no shit <laughs> now Taylor's i really like, like i have the kansas the city defense. chiefs almanac may i read it to you right now i'm ready to mute taylor <laughs> oh, oh nick's so sad because the cowboys haven't been great in forever well they still got five rings partner <laughs> make the cowboys great again back in forever ago <laughs> i have one ring about to have two <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> gentlemen, 
Let's uh, uh let's switch to a different sport. The yes, Oklahoma please. City Thunder. <laughs> Chelsea fans Dublin said I vote to mute Taylor if I had the <laughs> Thank power you. The, the power people, of the mute button. The people are revolting, Taylor. <laughs> all these January sixth all over Boo. again. Boo. What is that too soon? Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> Come on. January <laughs> sixth. All right, let's talk uh, about basketball instead of yes. everything else that we have talked about right now. The Thunder played a basketball game today and go figure. Two nights ago. Uh, they lost <laughs> round two mm-hmm. against the Los Angeles Clippers this time around. OKC Thunder lose it 108 to 100 guys. Second verse, just like the first oh. Thunder get nearly oh. doubled up. Chelsea fans, Dublin, uh, take it easy because I just found out that I can put user in timeout on YouTube. Wow. <laughs> I got Taylor's just found new power. Call oh me my the, God. Uh, the podcast version of Patrick Mahomes. We've got a dictator on our hands. <laughs> With a height so, in between. The, Jesus Christ. <laughs> the Thunder started this game exactly the same way they started Friday night's game against the Clippers, which is getting their butts kicked. Got yeah. down, got, got doubled up after the first quarter. Um, ugly stuff. Eventually clawed their way back. But I want to ask you guys, just to start us off here, what are your thoughts of the this back-to-back with the Clippers. Anything stick out to you about how the team played individual players? I don't really have an outline for this. I just wanted to throw it out and see kind of what we thought and was significant, what we thought was important and what we can talk about. The Clippers are really good at offensive basketball. And I think that was on display, especially in the first quarters, which like you mentioned, Jacob, were kind of a mirror image of each other. Uh, The first game Clippers outscore the Thunder 36 to 18 in the first quarter today, 36 to 19. So it was a very familiar feeling. The Thunder do outscore the Clippers in the second, third, and fourth quarters of each of those games, but still just a barrage. And the Thunder made it easier for the Clippers. I think some of it's Clippers offensive prowess. Some of it was Thunder not pressuring them enough early on. Uh, Some of it was abysmal offense by the Thunder. I think Nick you tweeted a stat about Thunder three-point shooting in the first quarters today, right? Yeah, the the two the two game uh, road trip with the Clippers and the two first quarters, zero for twenty-one. Yikes! Rough. That's not good. That's not good. So if you have like below par defense against a really good offensive team and you're not hitting. Uh, that's that's how you end up with what the Thunder ended up with in both of those first quarters. Yeah, and Justin, to boot on that, I mean, the Clippers offensively just like massacred the Thunder, but the Clippers on the season were shooting over 40% from three, and these two games against the Thunder shot 30%. Yeah, If they make 10% more of their threes in those two games, it's nowhere near close. No, yeah. not at all. And PG was shooting what it was wild. I heard on I was listening on what while we were driving home from Kansas City this weekend. And um I think the broadcast said that PG was shooting like over 50% from three um over like the past two weeks for just something crazy. He's been on fire. Um and the fact that I think the Thunder were able to limit him as much as you can when he's actually healthy, um, like they were able to today was was great. But I also love seeing guys like Lou get that experience. And I think that's great for them and we'll pay dividends moving forward. Um I mean, obviously, I, I didn't get to watch Friday night. Um, I did listen for the majority of the game um, and, and watched as much as I could on the way home um, on my phone. But with all that being said, I think what we're learning from games like tonight against the Lakers, um, 
even against the Nuggets, is that, you know, there's no need to worry about being too good to tank, right? You know, when, when they're playing against these elite teams, we're seeing what this team actually is, and that's perfectly fine. And we're still seeing some bright spots, which I guess is a good transition to get into. Um, and I think that's really important and, and something exciting for us Thunder fans as we kind of reposition, to use Presti's term. I think we've got to talk about the Isaiah Roby experience, right? True. Like, True. that guy has had some really impressive performances lately, but against the Clippers, he just kind of felt like a felt like a madman. Uh, the first game he had eight points on four of six shooting. And I, I thought played really nicely. And in the second game, he was 10 points on five of 10. I just felt like he, he made his presence felt, especially when the Thunder were pretty overmatched from a size perspective. Like the Clippers are a big team and the Thunder are just not, super big this year, especially, especially even because their big guys are not traditional, you know, in the paint, big guys. And that difference becomes really magnified when you have, you know, Zubots looked like he was uh Rudy Gobert out there tonight against the thunder. Yeah. yeah and, for, and, for, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Nick, you actually wrote a piece about Isaiah Roby. So this is kind of your area of expertise right now. Yeah. I mean, I just talked a little bit about kind of what he's done this season. Um, stats only tell part of the story but if you look at him versus al horford just from your generic stats they're pretty close i think al has a much bigger impact on defense and you and i talked about this jacob on twitter and and al is a a much better three-point shooter to this point um but when you have a a second round draft pick that's essentially a rookie uh mark dagnall's talked about that a lot he played like 18 minutes last season between the Thunder and the Mavs. Like he's pretty much a rookie. And if he's coming in and giving you the same surface level stats as a guy like Al Horford, that's, you know, historically been a a really good kind of modern big. That's awesome. Um, And I think as a team, Justin, you'd mentioned Oklahoma city is just a lot smaller and, and much less physical than this Clippers team with, with their big guys being, stretch bigs they got out rebounded by 20 in the first matchup with the clippers ultimately ended up winning the battle on the boards uh this afternoon against the clippers so i think that was a a big adjustment and huge one one positive thing that i took from kind of um you know watching film and adjusting and, and trying to do something different oklahoma city really put an emphasis on that yeah it's interesting you look at just like the 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 stats or the breakdown by quarter the scoring between these two games and they they feel similar but if you actually watch the games, they were quite different. And I think the Thunder played a lot better overall in this game. Rebounding was one of the areas for sure where the Thunder really felt like they improved uh, compared to the first game. And then uh, I think just kind of overall effort, um, it felt like the Thunder were trying to make up for the first game a little bit. End result ends up in about the same place. But I think that the Thunder probably used this as a learning experience. And I think the uniqueness that we're going to see this a lot this season where you're playing the the sort of back to backs, two teams in a row, uh, playing the same team two two games in a row, pardon me, that you're going to see a lot of those kind of adjustments kind of similar to like a like a playoff series a little bit. And so I think that was encouraging from the Thunder. You know, if you're looking at this team, you're not necessarily looking at wins and losses for success. But I think things like that is encouraging seeing them come back with an edge and winning the rebound battle, you know, in the very next game against this Clippers team. I think those are the little nuggets that you're looking to see out of these guys as they develop and as they grow that they can use and move forward as they go on in their careers. Definitely. A a few things on Roby real quick. I mentioned this on my post game podcast on Friday night. I want to re harp on it 
again here in just a moment. First off, though, Roby is like Kawhi Leonard sized, like legitimately, like height and weight. And yeah. he's playing center. Like we're seeing this gaping hole there. If you want to get your jokes in there, now's your chance. No, um, in the center of the floor for the Thunder. Um, but Friday, I mentioned this. The Thunder for the past decade have been very much a team that has a bruising, paint-protecting big. And this is the first year that they don't have that. They had Steven Adams. They had Kendrick Perkins. They had uh, you know, like guys like Nick Collison. Um, even uh, Nerlens Noel to a little bit of that extent. And this year, they have a whole bunch of more finesse stretch bigs who are not rim protectors. I was thinking about this the other night. How many alley-oops have the Thunder had this year? Because I can't remember. Not one. very many. Or More Stephen Adams would, yeah, Stephen Adams would, you know, catch yep. oops all the time on the pick and roll. Is this a a fundamental shift by the front office to, to start looking at getting bigs that fit more of this perimeter oriented mold? Or is this just the effects of you tearing down the roster and this is what's being left over? Is it somewhere in the middle? I don't know, but I think it's something fascinating uh, happening there in the center position with the Thunder. Yeah, you look at you look at Mike Muscala, and he's played a lot of center on this team. Um, played a little bit more power forward last year with Steve in Nerlens. I think that's more of a function of you know he just ha- having to play that role. And then Isaiah Roby, if you look at him in college, I don't know if you guys have watched his his college tape at Nebraska. He really played small forward, a little bit mm-hmm. of power forward. So this that's, is new yep, him, exactly and I think I this thinking. really is just you know he's a six eight guy that's having to play center. But you're starting to see as he gets more comfortable, you're seeing some of these no-look passes and these Euro steps and these drive to the bucket. I don't think that's, you know, oh my gosh, we might have found this versatile center. I just think it's him kind of getting back to his natural position. Yeah. I, I think long-term, Roby is not a center. Like, he is that's a four in the league. He's, he's a backup power forward. Absolutely. I do I love know. the versatility that brings on. The fact that he's he's battling down there, and just he he makes things happen, um, even if he's getting worked by Zubak. You know, like he's still, um, he he's still making plays. He's still fighting. I mean, we saw that against Jokic last week. Um, he's doing some things that really do impress me. But to Nick's point, I just I think he's going to to be much better off uh, playing his more natural position, which is at the power forward, um, and him coming off the bench as as Baisley's backup forward. Think would be great for this team, yeah. Um, but to your point, to just kind of answer your, or not even answer your question, but I, I like that point that you made, Jacob, on your post game podcast a couple of days ago on Friday, um, because I think the league really is kind of transitioning what we what we have been seeing the past couple of years, the past couple of drafts, and the guys that are the most most coveted so far um, for this upcoming draft is versatility, all five positions. You got to be able to guard all five positions. And essentially, you have to be able to play at least three positions. And I think that's kind of the direction we're going to now um, as teams try to adapt to that Houston Rockets, Golden State type of offenses. And so, um, you know, maybe we see the, the the Thunder decide to target a Mobley over a Kate Cunningham, you know, um, because that's a guy that's very similar. I mean, not to go down draft talk, but anyways, all that to say, um, I, I think you bring up a really good point. Probably a combination of both, as always. Nothing's always black and white, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Presley covet or, or go after more um, versatile players rather than just a Stephen Adams or a Chris Paul type players moving forward. Can I can I bring up something that might be a little bit saddening? Um, <laughs> Is that so, even a word? 
<laughs> Leave it to I Nick to make not. everything depressing. Probably Let's not. Get I'm going to so, email your editor at Forbes after this. Tell <laughs> him you're making up words. So, um, Isaiah Roby, I think we're kind of spot on. He's the longer term backup power forward to Darius Bailey. We've talked a lot about sample size with Lou Dort. Like how we think, you know, his excellent shooting is sustainable. I'd like mm-hmm. to flip that on the head and talk about how long before Darius Baisley struggling shooting the ball is is something of concern. Because you look at him last season from the floor, 39.4%. This season, 37.9%. He got quite a bit of burn last year. He's getting a ton of burn this year. Using that whole sample size theory, when do we get concerned about Baisley as a consistent scorer? I think it's, it's even hard for me, and I consciously think about this when i watch the games it's even hard for me to not watch like tonight and and friday night and say is base good you know <laughs> yeah, like it's it's right? only, like we're 14 games 15 games into the season and you know that's such a small sample size but I, even i catch myself doing that quite a bit um you know he's struggling I, again he's a young guy right he's got tons and tons and tons of time uh, to figure this out. He's going to get tons of opportunity. I think we're starting to see some things with Bays though, um, that seem like areas of concern, like the jump shot. I'm not too awful worried about, like, I think his jump shots fine. You make some, you miss some, right? Like you see all kinds of guys go for cold streaks for 10, 15 games. The jump shot doesn't worry me. The finishing still worries me. Uh, the getting to the basket, not knowing what the hell you're going to do when you get there. Still kind of worries me. Um, sometimes he almost looks like early years Ibaka offensively to me. And like he gets the ball and he doesn't know quite what he wants to do. Do I shoot it? Do I dribble it? Do I pass it? Like it's like the wheels are turning in his head and you can see him going through the motions and going through like the progressions. Um, not to say he's going to be bad. I think he could be a really good player, right? He's going through a rough patch right now for sure, though. And I don't I don't know where that number is, Nick. And that's um, the thing, too, is like you mentioned, he he doesn't know whether to shoot, to uh, to dribble, to pass. And it's funny because he's good at all three of those things. It's just yeah. like get straight in his head which one of those he wants to do. Not yeah, overthinking yeah. it. You know, knowing yeah. knowing what the right play is instead of having to stop and think about it. And you hope that that comes with experience and time. Mm-hmm. And it is still the beginning of his second year. And his first year was strange to say the least and, and i think that's True. where where my and he didn't play college basketball too. and he didn't I mean, play he college that, basketball that leap year i don't know if you guys knew that next article yeah <laughs> not sure if you guys have heard fun that. fact <laughs> um maybe you've heard of new balance anyway <laughs> no i think that that that's where i keep holding on to hope with young guys like bays especially because i feel like this year is so different than last year in terms of personnel in terms of what his responsibility is in terms of what he's being asked to do in terms of the players he's playing next to it's it's basically like a whole new ball game this year so i think i you know i i'm not in the like panicking about bays camp at this point not that i'm saying anybody on here is, is but yeah. i think that um i think it may take take a while for him to reach that level of just kind of being comfortable. And a lot of that could be due to Taylor's point of, you know, this is kind of like his college to an extent. Mm. And maybe, maybe we're seeing the long-term effects of that kind of playing out. Well, first and foremost, Justin, I haven't mentioned this yet, but I love your shirt. That's pretty awesome. You should plug it. Um, That's really cool. But um, second of all, 
one thing that I noticed today, at least again, I'm listening in the car watching when I can on cruise control uh, down the highway with no cars around me. <laughs> but in the third quarter, Baisley really has. I hope your insurance there. agent isn't listening to this podcast. <laughs> it's my dad's company. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> of course. Uh, of course. Oh, man. Um, what a flex. <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't work that way. Uh, it might be the opposite. But, anyways, in the, th- the second and third quarters, I think when Baisley was the most successful, and um, things, and this is something I've noticed over the past couple of weeks as well, is to your point, Jacob, that you were making when he's the most decisive, when he does not hesitate, when he catches the ball and he knows he's driving to the rim. He did that two or three straight times. And it, I mean, it was great. Um, that's exactly what this team needed. Now, uh, obviously, the Clippers adjusted. And I think what we've seen from the very beginning of the season, something that Dignall keeps mentioning when he's been asked about Baisley, is the fact that. Um, that he came out hot. He showed what he was capable of. He showed, he showed his growth early on and then defenses have adjusted to him. And Baisley's really struggling to maybe adjust back. I don't know if that's the correct way to put that, but um, it's going to be interesting. You know, now that, he, like you said, he has more of a uh, more responsibility. Um, defenses are, are focusing on him more. This is where the development really is going to, to show, you know, he's going to be able to show what he's capable of and see if he's able to uh, adapt to, to defenses really focusing in on him. So that's going to start, I think with him hitting his outside shots and his pull-ups that's going to create space for him to drive back into the lane. And he also really needs to work on his playmaking and his vision. Agreed. I like it. Um, Before we move on from this game real quick, uh, I want to take one of the questions in the chat really fast. Our guy, Nate Sanders from YouTube has asked, how many players currently on the Thunder um, are still on this team or are still contributing when this team is contending? So let me set some parameters for you guys, and then I'm going to go down the list real quick and have you say yes or no, okay? Let's say the parameters are um, three years from now and contending, quote-unquote contending, means uh, a team that that is competing for home court in the playoffs, Okay, a team that that can win a first round series and get into the second round of the playoffs. Let's say that happens three years from now. I'm going to go down a list of the players. You tell me who is getting minutes for the Thunder when that's happening and who is not. Uh, I think we all say yes on Shea. Yep. Okay. Dort. Yep. Baisley. Yes. Interesting. Hamadou Diallo. No. Yes, I say yes as well. Just because he's a cheap contract, I don't think and, he, I don't think he's going to. The organization likes him a lot. He's not going to net big money. However, he's also not going to have the same role moving forward either. Um, this is a unique season. Next season, I I, I think that's going to kind of dwindle down um, as the Thunder get more and more talent, young talent around Shea and Baisley Dort. Uh, but I'm with Nick. I say yes. I think so so he's getting rotation minutes. You guys Mm -hmm. saying he gets rotation minutes three years from now when the Thunder are making it to the second round of the playoffs. Okay, Justin, what were we going to say? Per game guy. I I just think Hami is the perfect like filler candidate for if and when a trade comes. I think Hami is likely a part of it because he has value. He's a he he can you know fill in the gaps, make the money work, whatever it is. I just I could see him being shipped elsewhere at some point in the next few years. All right. Next one, Isaiah Roby. That's tough. No, I'm I'm a pretty firm. No on this one. I'm going to also his contracts. Interesting because he was signed to a, a first round deal money wise, even though he's a second round pick. 
so I don't know how that affects his rookie rights and how his contract works going forward. I have to dive hmm. into that further, but that's, that's interesting. That's an interesting one. I don't. I think even if he's on the team, I don't think he's a rotation player. Agreed. I agree. Yep, I agree. Teo Maladone. Yes. Yeah. I love Teo. I really do. And I know he's struggling some, having some rookie struggles, but um, I've, I've been really impressed with Teo. I l- just love watching him play. What about Alexej Pokosovetsky? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Alex- Alexei Pokoshevsky. Is he getting minutes? Is he in the, the nine, eight, nine, ten man rotation in three years? Mm-hmm. When they're in the playoffs. I want to say I, no. I want to say no too. I'm going yes. I'm, I, okay. You guys say, said no. Taylor says yes. Let me expand on that. Mm. Are you saying no because they've given up on the project or is it no because he has not progressed and he is still in the developmental stage? I think it's the latter. I, I think that he, in three years in this hypothetical, I think he's probably still on the team. He may still be getting minutes, but is he contributing to a team that's making a run at a title? I don't know if he's to that point in three years. Three years I, from now, he will be younger than what Shea is right now. Right, exactly. I think he's similar to how Justin looked at Diallo. I think that when the time comes and there's a disgruntled young star, he will have progressed enough to be an extremely interesting piece to that deal. Um and I think the the Thunder would be willing to give him up for the right guy, and that's that's where I would say no. Hmm. Nice, fascinating. I, I just think that Presti drafted him knowing it's going to be a long term project. He's going to be giving him the most minutes he can, especially during this rebuild, which I think two to three years from now is still realistic. And um, Sean, Sean pulling no punches in the chat, saying he's going <laughs> oh, he for the Washington too. Generals. I know three he years. Washington General. <laughs> I know Sean doesn't like poker. And it's fair too. I mean, honestly, it's obviously it's been rough. I think he's gonna put some weight on. Um, I think that versus again, versatility. He's just he's going to fit the mold that Press is going to want to move towards. Um, I could see him being a homie in three years, right? Like even maybe a guy who shows great flashes, um, mm-hmm. makes people really, really angry sometimes. But Very polarizing, yeah. They like, right, but but they love his work ethic. Um, they love the flashes, and they want to see more of it. And so three seasons from now, I'm still saying yes, Poku's going to be getting minutes. Five seasons from now? Yeah. Ugh. I mean, three seasons we'll from now, again, he's homies age three seasons from now. So exactly. he gets, yep. he's still very much in the developmental yep. stage. All right, well, let's move on, guys. I want to do a quick recap of the week. Uh, we talked a couple of podcasts ago about the upcoming, back then it was the upcoming 10-game stretch for the Thunder and how – we were really going to learn a lot about this team. Uh, well, they've gone on the road trip, and they are 0-3, which is pretty not good. Um, losses to Denver and the Clippers two times, Friday and Sunday. Uh, before that, they got a win against the Chicago Bulls, a win that was incredibly improbable coming back from 22 down, and then later on 17 down. We're down by 10 with two minutes to go. They have Portland coming up tomorrow night. They have Phoenix coming up midweek. They have the Nets at the end of the week. But so far on this road trip, they're 0-3. Anything that we take away from this? Is is any of this surprising, what we're seeing? Have we learned anything about the team uh, over this road trip? 
they are who we thought they were. Spot on. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say, you know, along the lines of they're not too good to tank. Yes. Yep. Just that was my uh, nod to the the NFL playoffs. There. Um, shout out anyone that got that reference. But I think that yeah, they they are a team that is fun. They will always put up a fight. Um, I, I think I've said this before on a podcast. Like they're gonna be the team that your team has a 20 point lead on and then you blink and the lead's gone in the middle of the third quarter and your team's going to have to to battle out a, a scrappy win over the thunder but that's going to be the storyline a lot there there's not going to be a ton i don't think of games like the you know the lakers from a couple of weeks ago where the thunder come out and just get absolutely shellacked like they're good enough to fight and I think we're going to continue to see that out of them. Um, and that's all, that's all we want, man. Competitive tanking is back. We talked about competitive tanking a lot at the early parts of last season before they stopped competitive tanking and just kept being competitive. But I think competitive tanking is here. It, I'm here for it. Like if it can be a fun game where we see fun stuff out of the team, we see them develop, we see them keep it interesting and they ultimately lose at the end. Like th- that's all we can ask for. As long as we're not getting like 30 point beat downs every night, that can make this go so much smoother for OKC fans. For fans. But I think from a basketball standpoint, um, the things that this is something I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, but I just threw up the Lou Dort highlights from the Denver game last week. Right. And I think what's the most impressive to me is yes, the Thunder are going against some of the better teams. And we're seeing that they obviously are not too good to tank. They're going to be tanking this season. Um, but like you said, Justin, it's natural, natural progression. It's natural. Um, but there's still these highlights, uh, the, these highlights for this team, like guys like Lou Dort or Shea. You know, we're seeing them uh, really take growth growth, uh, or take steps in their growth and continue to progress. And, you know, that, that's something I'm really keeping an eye on this season because even as this team, you know, loses games, um, even when they bring in bets around them, some of these guys like Lou, Baisley, Shea continues to progress. You know, we're seeing Teo have some really nice flashes. Uh, I think this team is much further along uh, than we, than many people even even give them credit for, whether that's yeah. national media or even Thunder fans in general. I think l- just look at Shea. Like Shea's, I mean, that, that first game against the Clippers was unbelievable for Shea. Mm-hmm. Like he looked so good. And I don't know if it's points a little like, bit again, of like, another limited shooting night being back being back in his old stomping grounds for the clippers but i think seeing those games out of shea where you start to really see like what his ceiling is and what he's capable of that make you question you know is he a two on a championship contending team or is it closer to a a 1a 1b situation um those are the things that i think are really interesting and seeing lou dort i mean today was the first game that he didn't hit a three his streak of shooting to Nick's point earlier of like, I keep waiting for the sustainability to kick in and for him to crash back to earth. But like his shooting could be the real deal. And if it is like, how differently are we evaluating Dort moving forward? If he's like a legitimate lockdown defender and spot up three guy, like the three and D guy, Oklahoma city has wanted the entire time they've been in Oklahoma city. Like they could finally have him locked down for the next iteration of the thunder. Those are the things that I think, we kind of got to see this week. And you know what's impressive? Kind of to, to Taylor's point just a second ago, this team struggles. We've seen it. They especially struggle offensively. 
And yet, I think Shea had a little bit of struggles early on in the season. Yep. But he is incredibly efficient right now. I mean, the guy is shooting 51% from the field, 37% from three, 79% from the free throw line. He's only taking 15 shots a game, and it's not like he has all-star teammates around him that are making the game easier, like Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder. I mean, the buckets that he's getting, you know, it, it's the, the game isn't being made easier for him, and yet he is still being incredibly efficient right now, which I think is really impressive and really exactly. a really good sign. I talked about Darius Baisley earlier, right, and and him trying to adjust to defenses, focusing more on him, being on the scouting report. Shea is the focal point of this offense. Yep. He's a focal point yep. of those scouting reports each and every game, regardless of the opponent. And he's still doing what he's doing. And that's really impressive. Hey, the past hey, two nights, he's been guarded by Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Also, two of the best defenders in the league. Uh, Nick, you were shaking your head earlier about the 1A, 1B thing. I mean, I, I, I get that. I'm, I'm not there yet either, but but talk to us. I, I don't think it's the fact that he's not good enough to be an alpha or a number one guy overall. I just still haven't. So, so we'll take it a step back. Championship teams have a guy that can just come out and torch you for 40 or 50 any given night. You got your Kevin Durant, you've got your Steph Curry's and maybe it's just, he doesn't shoot enough. Maybe it's just, he, he hasn't shown us that side of him yet. I just don't see him being that guy. Like even Donovan Mitchell, I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell's better, but that kind of guy that can give you a couple 50 point performances in a playoff series. That's what I don't think Shea has in him. That's okay. a fair point. Okay, Shaq. Okay, Shaq. Yeah. Um, Shay, how does it make you feel that I called you out on the Uncontested Podcast? Uh, and don't you'll, think you can make you'll it never be more than a two. <laughs> um, you'll never well, be Donovan Mitchell. I don't disagree with that. And I think that <laughs> if we're going to see that, we probably start to get a real taste of that this season. Like he's so smooth. He's effortless. You blink and he has 20 points, 25 points, something like that. But when are we going to see him? you know, score in a way where you can't help but notice it. When is he going to take over a game? When is he going to go just like super Saiyan and just go nuts? And I think that, that to your point, Nick, that's the one thing we haven't seen from Shea. I think if, if he has that gear, we're going to see it this season. And so I'm excited to continue watching for that because I, do, I, I agree. I, I do think that's, that is a quality of the stars, the superstars in this league that you have to have. And, and we don't know if he has that yet. And, and not well, to mention from a positional standpoint, you look at the last 10 years of NBA champions. They, most of them had a small forward that was just a flat out bucket getter. And, yeah. and that's, I mean, Shea's big. He's a big guard. I know some teams have done it without that, but you look at the Kawhi Leonard's and the Kevin Durant's and like, it's, it's just one of those things you got to have. And I think that, whoever Oklahoma city drafts these next couple years at that small forward position could be the, the number one. Agreed. No, and I think it should be. Yeah. To, to Justin's point just a second ago, I mean, Justin and Nick kind of talking about, can Shea be that guy and can he take over a game? I think there's also a conversation there on, can he verse versus is that who he is? I think there's been games so far this season where he definitely could have said, screw it, give me the ball, I'm going to do my thing, and I'm going to go score. But that's not really the way he's wired. And maybe in some instances that's not a good thing, but I, I made this point on the, the Friday postgame podcast, and I'll bring it back up again here. At the end of the first half Friday against the Clippers, he was cooking. 
Like it didn't matter who you put in front of him. He was getting buckets. He started to, to look for his own shot there with about five minutes left to go in the half. And he just, he got it going. He scored like 10 points there in like that five minutes and just looked incredible. And then he came out of half. And as a 22 year old, I would have been like, get the F out of my way. I'm shooting this thing every time I touch it. And there was a play early on in that third quarter where the ball got swung to him. He beat Kawhi off the dribble, which is no easy feat. Mm-hmm. Got two steps past Kawhi, either had a layup or probably a Serge Ibaka foul coming his way at the rim. And instead just makes the right basketball play and swings it to the next open guy because the defense has collapsed. You know, and to me, those types of plays are LeBron-esque. That, that's what LeBron does. I'm not saying Shea is LeBron. I'm not getting anywhere close mm-hmm. to that. Throw that <laughs> those on the graphic. Those are the types of, <laughs> ty- of play LeBron makes, though, right? Where you can have it going, but he's he plays I so within play. himself that he doesn't force it. And I think there's mm-hmm. something to be said about that as well. Maybe that doesn't make him the best player on a championship team, but that makes him a really damn good player on really any team. Exactly. He brings and I think a lot so, of value. Right. Yeah. I think you can buy. So I was going to make, make that point, Jacob, and, and you did better than I could have. So you take what Jacob just said with what Nick just said. But seriously, though, I mean, if, if they draft the right players moving forward and you have Shea, who isn't a score first kind of guard, um, but is able to do so much more to impact the game. Like, you know, we compare Shea and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, we've done that a lot on this podcast in the past. No, Shea can never do what Donovan Mitchell did probably in the in the bubble where he exploded for like, you know, 40 plus points and just looked incredible. But Donovan can never get his teammates involved to the level that Shea does or impact the game in other ways and the, in the ways that Shea does. He, he does it in a very specific way. The fact that I keep using this word, but the fact that Shea has so much versatility, he's able to impact the game in so many different ways. To Nick's point, if you draft the right player or players around him, it's going to be really fun. Really fun. Yep, he's very moldable. Very moldable. Very moldable. Yep. Okay. Well, enough talk about Shea. Anything else from this week, guys? I was going to mention the Thunder's three-point defense, and I looked it up, and they're like seventh in the league in, uh, in uh, three-point percentage or opponent's three-point percentage. Not um, too bad. Surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, never mind. Guess I'm not going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of three-point shots. Ooh, well played. I know. <laughs> I know. Cut me the check. <laughs> a uh, a certain point guard in the league has released a new colorway for his shoes. Um, Damian Lillard has some some OKC colorways coming Isn't that out. A rapper. Yeah, he's a rapper turned basketball that's, player. I think. Wait, he plays basketball. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, his shoes are coming out to to remember or to commemorate his fifty point game seven against the Thunder in which he hit the game-winning three and waved bye to the Thunder bench. My question, <laughs> do you guys like that uh, or no? Like trying to be like n- ob- objective and not as Thunder fans, is that cool that he like basically drops these shoes to kind of, I don't know, talk. almost like shit no. talk? No, don't. That's like... I'm trying to think of what that would be like. <laughs> is that like Conor McGregor like coming out and... um and like a Khabib shirt or something, the next Connor Khabib fight that's going to be inevitable. My only thing up. is, it's just like you hit that to make 
to the second round. You didn't exactly make the finals. You didn't win Congrats, a title. And, and that's why I have this caption here. Dame's career peak. Congratulations. I'll, t- I'll tell you what it is. Congratulations on your career peak. This is just a shot at Paul George and their yes. never ending beef. That's I don't fair. think, I don't that's think fair. Dame released these thinking, Oh, ho, ho, I'm going to, I'm going to get on those Oklahoma city fans and piss them off. I think it's really a shot at, Hey, Paul George, remember me? I hit yep. that shot in your yep. face, and we've been beefing about it ever since. And I, it's Adidas saying, hey, we can make some money off of this. That's exactly what I was going to say. You from, can't from forget the graphic designer, marketer Paul, over here. Justin. Paul George is a <laughs> is a Nike athlete. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's mm-hmm. stake in it from it's lots funny. of angles. I it's think funny. here's the thing with Dame Shot. Like, you can look at the basketball impact of it. It was a shot to win a first-round playoff series. Neat. The Thunder were better than the Trailblazers the next year. So, like, but like, it was a cultural moment that surpassed the actual facts of the situation. And I mm-hmm. think that's what we have to acknowledge is like the Dame literally ended a franchise take. Is it factual? No. Is it funny? Yes. <laughs> and I think that that's why it's going to live on in, in basketball <laughs> Twitter. And Tommy already like brought a good point. Uh, his marketing team is trying too hard. Never forget that Dame whined his way into an all-star game. This is true. But Fair so point. like that's, that is Dame's narrative. I like Matt Sanders winding in our, uh, our comments here about the, the bills not being good enough. <laughs> um, anyway, that that's Dame's narrative. That's who <sighs> he's been positioned as in the NBA. That's who his marketing team has embraced of this scrappy underdog who doesn't get the recognition he deserves, who fights for everything he has versus a guy like Paul George, who's a coddled superstar on a super team in Los Angeles. Like it fits that narrative. And it's, it's an incredibly cool moment, like stepping back from it. I saw somebody on Twitter today. I won't name names, but somebody on Twitter was claiming like, Oh, that Dame shot didn't even hurt thunder fans. Like that's patently false. Like that that shot sucked in the moment (laughs) and it was very sad. And Thunder Twitter was in shambles for a good while afterwards. That's revisionist history to say it didn't hurt. Yeah. But oh yeah, in, in the grand scheme, like yes, it it, it won a first round pre- playoff series. But like, it's one of the most memeable basketball moments that's happened in in the last five years at least, if not more. The waving goodbye, the stare down of the camera, Paul George saying it's not a good shot, like all of it. Just it fits everything culturally of like what NBA Twitter is all about. So like, it doesn't surprise me uh, what I think will be interesting. And what I'm guessing is going to happen is he's going to debut them tomorrow night when the thunder walk into the, the Rose garden yeah. and we're going to get to, we're going to get to see that up close and personal. And it's kind of ironic that none of the players that were on that team when he hit that shot are on this roster, save I think Hamadou Diallo, Hamadou, who was right. a rookie right. and didn't even play. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. It's a good point. So yeah, um, all publicity, all publicity is good publicity. That's when's right. the last exactly time you? Right. When's the last time you talked about Adidas basketball shoes? <laughs> D Rose, also a good point. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I wanted to ask you guys if an OKC Thunder player, past or present, were to pull a stunt like this, <laughs> drop a pair of shoes or a shirt or something to commemorate a moment and kind of talk some trash, who would it be, and what moment would it be? It'd I'll be go Russell first. Westbrook. I'll and go what first. Moment, what moment would it be a Russell Westbrook? Oh, August first. No, no, no. I'm said I'm going to go first. Um, oh, sorry. Just, just because August first. Just because I, like, I know you guys are going to steal <laughs> this one. I want to be the first one to get it out there and and get it off the plate. Is the 
the MVP and triple double record ceiling half court That's shot right. against the yep. Denver Nuggets. It's got to be it. I yep. was thinking that too, but I also some Nuggets that, colored shoes. Yes, Russ yep. doesn't care enough about the Nuggets. Russ would never do it. That's the thing. Really? Like, I, I don't see him doing releasing Brody, a colorway like that. Brody agrees it. with me. Um, <laughs> but the, doing it for that Nuggets game from an aesthetic perspective would be amazing because that was one of the ugliest uniform matchups of all time with the Thunder and their sunset oranges versus Denver in their yellow alternates. So yeah. like some orange and yellow shoes, I'm sure would just kill it on, on the market. Uh, I like in the chat, Sean says, Russell releasing some cupcake-themed shoes. Now that, That's what I was thinking. Yeah, That's I'm some marketing. <laughs> That's some marketing. Uh, what are uh, any other ones? Mm. Any others that you guys can think of? It's tough to think of ones like just like I mentioned before, like this fits Dame's narrative so well of like the chip on his shoulder, me against the world vibe that I don't know that the Thunder have ever had somebody like that. Um, I would love a pair of Serge Ibaka God Nice shoes. I think <laughs> I, I would wear that colorway with some like icy soles on them. Sign me up. Heck yeah. Terrence Ferguson, Los Angeles Lakers, his one good game in a Thunder uniform. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. I like that one. I think, uh, you know, like a Kevin Durant. Um, uh, wow. Why am I blanking on the headline? Mr. Unreliable. Reliable. Jeez. Yeah. That escaped me for a second. Like back in the day, some Mr. Unreliable PEs would have killed it. Definitely. Definitely. I'm trying to think of any others uh, that would have been good. I mean, Steven Adams Kiwis shoes. Yeah. Chicken or Kiwis. Or James Harden dropping some Thunder-themed shoes after he beat the Thunder in the playoffs when he went to Houston after he beat the Thunder for the first time. Yeah. Those would have been... <laughs> I gave, kind of I gave my good level. friend Matt a hard time earlier about the Bills game, but uh, he said Kevin Durant, the servant shoes. <laughs> That's kind of... <laughs> yeah. That was the worst nickname was of so all time. Mad, he was so mad about the Grim Reaper or whatever, or the Slim Reaper. And so he came out, oh, I want to be called the servant. And so, oh my God. <laughs> Cringe. Something ain't right with that guy. <laughs> what about Reggie Jackson dropping like Tears of Joy? Oh, Tears of Joy shoes. That's good. That's hey, good. Reggie came out and dropped 10 tonight in the third quarter. It's most points he scored in mm. years. I feel like, like all are remembering. Like a washed cololorway. Oh. And like huge rocket colors. Oh. Mitch, McGarry, Mitch McGarry Untrable. 420 shoes. <laughs> They're just snakes all over him in a fucking unicycle. They look like bowling shoes. <laughs> that's good i love that uh, that is good all right guys um i want speaking of of those shoes probably debuting tomorrow let's take predictions for this next week i mentioned it earlier but the thunder are at portland monday night at phoenix on wednesday night then they come home and play the brooklyn nets on friday night ew. what do you guys got them going over the next three games mm. Oh, and three. The skid continues. <laughs> the skid. You guys I don't think, think they still one of them? I'm going to say one and two just because I think just. Good for you. One of those teams is going to be taking an off night or they're going to be struggling. Things just aren't clicking because it's January, late January, almost February in the NBA. SGA um, hits a 40 foot game winner in, in Dane's and, and Portland. In Portland. And same by. exact spot. Same exact spot. And then he drops uh, a Converse colorway. Now and, we're and talking. Portland, yes. Converse shoe in, in Portland colors. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to predict that although they lose to the Trailblazers, um, 
Ennis Cantor and his horrible defense allows Isaiah Roby to score 20, and Isaiah Roby's horrible defense allows Cantor to score 20. That's good. That is <laughs> oh, you're only going 20 for Cantor? I think Cantor's on the line to have a 30-20-10 game tomorrow night. Man, we, we've been talking game. about Isaiah, and God bless his soul. His He struggled mightily against Jokic, which everyone in the league does. He also got manhandled by Serge Ibaka, and his next two matchups are offensive rebounding machine Ennis Cantor. Then he's got to go up against one of the hottest centers in the NBA right now, and DeAndre Ayton. So hot right now. DeAndre Ayton is going to eat that man alive. <laughs> the way you said that. <laughs> but then I, I want to clip that so as a sounder. Good. And anytime Shay does something good, when we talk about Shay doing something good, we hear Justin so hot right now. <laughs> so, quick, r- real question here: the the Nets are, struggle with with center depth. Um, I think against the Thunder, they can play KD a lot at the five just because they're so small. Let's talk about the matchups against the Nets, assuming Kyrie, Harden, and KD play. Who's guarding those three? Shea's guarding Kyrie. Oh, no, I think think George Hill guards Kyrie. Dort on Harden. Bays on KD. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, man. That's a good point, George Hill. That's a, yeah. Then you got Roby letting Jeff Green hit eight threes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then Shea's going to guard. Well, th- they might not want Shea no, to guard uh, Joe Harris because that's yeah. a lot of running off screens. That's a lot of running off screens. Just like every other team, that's a matchup nightmare. <laughs> yep. But hey, they can't play any defense. So maybe, hey, there uh, you go. maybe <laughs> Shea will get his 45 game that night. There you go. <laughs> so, all right. Well, on to the tank meter, guys. We've got to update the tank meter from full tank to meter. empty. Where is the tank sitting at right now? Before you guys give me uh, your tank meter ratings, I do want to update everybody on where the Thunder are falling in the draft right now. We had some questions on Twitter, so I wanted to make sure I address these. The Thunder get the two best picks out of their own Houston's and Miami's. The Brooklyn pick does not factor into Oklahoma City at all. Currently, the Thunder would get their own pick, which is number six, and they would get the Miami pick, which is number seven. The Thunder also gets the Golden State Warriors pick if it falls between 21 and 30. It does not, so the Thunder do not get that first-round pick. Instead, they get the Minnesota Timberwolves 2021 second-round pick, which is currently slated at number two. Golden State owns that pick as well. That pick is currently slated at 32. So the Thunder would be sitting at pick six, seven, 32. Thunder also owned Denver's second round pick in this upcoming draft. That would be pick 53. So six, seven, 32, and 53 are the picks that they would have if the draft happened right now. You guys tell me, where is the, the tank meter at currently? I think the light just came on. Um, it's, it's getting low. The light clicked on, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not empty yet. You're not all the way down, but you're starting to, you know, you got to start paying attention. Uh, probably keep an eye out for a gas station. Uh, I think, I think we're in that range. I think that the, you know, the rest of this 10 game stretch that we've talked about could, could get us down a little lower. Um, but I think the, the tank, meter is a lot lower than it was, you know, a week ago or especially two weeks ago. So Jacob, uh, when he came up with this, Justin, he, um, uh, he had a lot going on during this time, but, um, 
he he said that full, like the tank all the way full, means that we're full tank mode. What and an idiot! Empty, I know, so I know. Typical teacher, right? In Oklahoma. Oh I mean. yeah, Jacob's dumb, not me. I agree. Um, <laughs> no wonder my students fail. That doesn't make any sense, Jacob. I'm sorry. I said. I... <laughs> all right. Well, granted, uh, Justin really thinks that the cool. tank is in a good place right now. There you go. They are tanking. So confusing. What I is had to give it. Yeah, I had a, Nick, if the tank time. is empty, that means the Thunder are not tanking. If it's full, they're good to go. They're getting we're that number one pick. Where are they at right now, Nick? I, I would say if you if you had ten little markings on the meter, ten being you're just full on blowing it up. Think you're about as close as you can get with before you trade the veterans. So I would say like eight is where they're at right now. I don't think it can get much higher, but once you trade George Hill and you try to trade Al Horford and some of these other guys, you can get beyond eight. So I would say whatever the number is, um, as much as you can tank without starting to sell, that's where you're at. Yep. I think that's fair. I was going to say just like everything of like a car meter or car tank meter, um, you fill up your gas tank, right? You're all the way full. And I'm getting confused from, again. You go from OKC to like Far Edmund. And <laughs> you're just like, you know, you're not completely full, but there's a little little space there. Okay. The Thunder are this well, what if I'm driving a hybrid, Taylor? Where are we then? Well, what about a Tesla? <laughs> Why does hey, this don't, don't, make work? Fun of my, don't make fun of my hybrid, all right? <laughs> you guys ever go, go to the... And maybe this doesn't apply to everyone because my, da my dad does this and it drives me freaking nuts. My dad's car will say like 10 miles to empty. And so he'll stop and put $10 in. And I'm like, dude, you're just going to stop and <laughs> fill funny. up in another three days. Just fill it. He's like, funny. I don't want to fill it all the way up. I only want to put $10. I'm like, What's the logic in this? He drives me nuts. Anyways, you know, when you go That's to the really gas, the gas station and the, the handle on the, the gas pump, Right, it's got that thing where it clicks into place and it just mm -hmm. stays pumping, and you don't have to hold on to it. And then whenever it fills up, it, 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 it clicks and turns off. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then you go back and you keep squeezing the bitch because you want to get as much gas as you can in that tank. The thunder are squeezing it, pulling the nozzle out, pulling the tip out a little bit, still squeezing it, filling it up a little bit. <laughs> this like the, the, the tank <laughs> is fully gas. I'm going to make the joke there. It just. It, it just makes itself, man. The tank is fully gassed up and ready to go. And I'm excited about it. All right, before we move on, um, awesome. I, I do this all the time anyway, so I'll do it once live on the pod. We're on tankathon.com. Again, the Thunder currently sitting with picks six and seven. We're going to hit Sim Lottery once. Yes. And the Thunder now have picks seven and eight. Ah. Hey, no, I'd, be, I'd be very content with that. Not ecstatic. Oh, I hit it one more time. Now the Thunder get two and seven. Yay. That's much better. Jalen Suggs or Evan Mobley. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide 
that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And some guy that I don't know about because I haven't looked past the top five because I'm dating. <laughs> who is it? Who is who? Yeah, and some, oh, use me in general. Uh, yeah, I'm saying who, whoever is going to be in number name. seven. I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, Although, sorry. hey, I got to say, I've started watching some film on that kid out of Duke. Um, yeah. Jalen awesome. something. Oh, no. Yeah, sorry. That's, uh, He's good. I like him. Go get him. Or Scotty Barnes from, is he at Florida or Florida State? Scotty Barnes will be a guy you can probably get a seven. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Hey, go get him. He seems like a good guy. I've heard that name before. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's take a minute and go quickly around the association. I don't even know where you're sitting at. Like. We're going to take a real quick trip around the association before you guys get out of here. First up, a trade has gone down. Figured we'd talk about it. Kevin Porter Jr., one of three Porter Juniors in the league, <laughs> has been traded after um, having a drug charge, a gun charge, uh, something with maybe driving while intoxicated, I can't remember, um, being away from the team, rejoining the team, getting his locker moved, throwing food around the locker room because the locker got moved, uh, saying something about how Cleveland is treating him, quote, like a slave. Yeah. Uh, he has now been traded for um, the most insignificant thing you can trade in the NBA, which is a top 55 protected pick. Um, essentially nothing. A to, fake pick. To, yes, a fake pick. To the Houston Rockets. Uh, Nick, you've always been pretty high on uh, our buddy Kevin Porter Jr. No pun intended. I thought you were just, you just going to say you've always been pretty high. Nick, you've always <laughs> been pretty high. Can you tell us like what's KPJ, going on through KPJ's yeah. <laughs> mind? No, uh, what do you think about this trade, Nick? Um, I think if you're Houston, you got nothing to lose. You've already kind of blown it up, and you've got a bunch of random. This summer, Oklahoma City last year, you you got some guys that are names around the league. You got Noah Depot, you got a Christian Wood, you got a Boogie Cousins. How did they Boogie fit? The other night. Yeah, he did, he did. But but similar to Oklahoma City last year, you had these names that. No one knew how they fit. No one knew if they were going to be short-term guys, long-term guys, what direction the franchise is going. Um, so might as well take a flyer on him. Worst case, you cut him, and that that pick that is essentially nothing is nothing. So 
I mean, if you're the Houston Rockets, why not? You know, he's I'll he's tell you he, why not? He's one of the most gifted scorers in his draft class, and we knew coming into that draft, he's a head case. And if he can get over that, he'd be an awesome pick. If not, he wouldn't be, and he wasn't. Get a get a locker room problem in a locker room with Boogie and John Wall. What could go wrong? I love it. I think that's Beautiful. that is the only reason why not. But like you, because you gave up nothing for him. Like you cut him. You tell him like you come in our locker room and you f around. You're gone. And if he if he works with that, then that's cool, and he can you know go on and be a productive NBA player potentially. But if he doesn't, then like to your point, Nick, they, they didn't give up anything. There's nothing to lose. I think the only potential that we have here is like some spicy locker room stories. And in that case, I'm here for it. Oh, I mean, not only spicy locker room stories, but he's going from being a bit of a culture issue to being on a team with a guy who was filmed in the off season at a party, throwing up gang signs. Like this has the potential to go like Gilbert Arenas level yes. locker room. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, let's that's get like, they're gonna be like, oh, hey, Kevin, yep. you had gun charges. Well, welcome to Texas, Come on buddy. In. Ooh, Home they of talk, the open carry state. What do you they got? Talk, they talk. Stephen Silas addressed the media shortly after the trade. I wasn't on this call. I just saw someone talking about it, and uh, the way the way the way that I was he was talking to LeBron James. Oh yeah. my gosh. Anyways, the way that he was talking about Kevin Porter Jr. made it sound like he probably actually won't be playing for the team anytime soon. So I'm wondering if there's a long adjustment period and a period of, you know, get to know the players, prove yourself, maybe play well, some G League. I don't know. Right. But it didn't sound like he's going to just suit up for the Houston Rockets this week, you know? Yeah. Fair enough. Maybe Fair go enough. fill in James Harden's spot in the clubs, kind of try to plug yeah. that all. <clears throat> Try to plug, no pun intended there. Well, maybe. (laughs) Um, Any more thoughts on Kevin Porter Jr.? Hope it works out for him. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping for the locker room problems. (laughs) Number one, it's good content that we can talk about. Number two, it just makes the Thunder pick that they get from Houston that much better. It's a one-win scenario. Yes. All right, last thing before we get out of here, because this is wild, so we have to talk about it. Uh, some more teams are now starting to allow fans into the arenas. Uh, if that's a good plan or not, I do not know. Uh, we will see. But the Miami Heat are one of those teams. And they plan on having each person that comes through those doors into the arena to get sniffed down by essentially drug, drug dogs, except instead of smelling for meth and cocaine, Hopefully Kevin Porter Jr. doesn't walk through those doors. They will be <laughs> they will be sniffing for COVID. I love this. I love this. They said that if you do not feel comfortable getting sniffed by the COVID dogs, which just to One be clear, the security the guards will be glad to do for it. COVID. The dogs don't have COVID. They're <laughs> sniffing for COVID. If you don't feel comfortable getting sniffed by the dog, you can instead get a rapid antigen test done at the arena, which should Get, get you a return in about 45 minutes. And if you are negative, you can enter the arena. My first thought is, man, the the price of that ticket might be cheaper than going to get a COVID test. So might as well kill two birds in one stone. That's very true. Yeah, that's fantastic. My first question is, where can we get some more of these dogs? 
Like, yeah, can I get one at my school so right? the kids with COVID don't come in? Yes. Like, is this the thing? Are they reliable? Can we put them everywhere? I saw that there was a study done in Germany, and the dogs are like 95% accurate. Okay. We need a COVID dog at like every shopping mall and grocery store and post office, and I'll take one at my house. It's kind of and- like, you know that Twitter account that's, uh, I think it's called like Racist Dog Barks. And every time someone tweets something racist, oh, the Twitter the account just types, yeah, yeah, just types bark, 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 bark. This is that basically, except instead of with racism, it's with COVID. It's we can, so good. We can volunteer Taylor's barking dogs to go <laughs> learn how to test for COVID. If Taylor's dogs go there, then every freaking dog, every person has COVID. <laughs> A lot of false positives. <laughs> <laughs> My only worry is COVID spreads through like talking and breathing and sniffing. If one of these Miami Heat fan assholes gives one of these dogs COVID, oh no, I dude, Peta's gonna have a field day. Can the dogs wear a mask? I don't think the sniffing <laughs> works very good at that point. <laughs> Taylor, you missed it, but we we volunteered your dogs to go learn how to sniff for COVID. You're muted, <laughs> Taylor. Even you're better. muted. Even better, Silent okay. Taylor, the best. Well, I guess we lost Tay- Taylor. Tay- Taylor, the meme. Or the meme, the mime. He's also kind of a meme, too. I can talk <laughs> shit about Taylor because his microphone's not on. So. Chiefs suck, bro. Tom Brady's going to wax you. All right. Well, gentlemen, any anything else before we get out of here? Anything we're with back. COVID dogs? We are back. There oh, you go. Do you have your microphone unplugged? No. It, the light was on. I didn't hit mute, but the light was on. Um, light was on, but nobody's home. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> A day in the uh, life of Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rumble is a beagle, is what I was trying to say. And they are very good. They're using airports to sniff out things. Okay. okay. So Rumble would be a prime candidate. Hey, one time uh, at the airport, I got pulled to the side and got patted down. Um, they did some little test. I beat, like, I was the random selection. <laughs> so uh, does Amiar. Amiar's used to be in the random selection, too. Yeah. Um, he's in the chat right now. He, he'll probably chime in here in a second. I guess I... Um, oh, he already did. <laughs> I guess I was the random guy to get tested at the at the airport. Not, like, COVID tested. Like, pat down for the bomb tested. And they did this little thing where, like, they swiped the insides of my shoes. Mm. I was like, what are you doing that for? They were like, oh, it, uh, it tests for bomb residue. And then the test came back positive. <laughs> And I was like, well, that's weird because I put the bomb in the backpack, not in my shoes. So then he was like, do you want the, where I keep my rifle? Yeah, they were like, do you want the pat down out here in public or do you want it in the back room? And I was like, well, the back room is where you take me to beat the shit out of me. So let's do it out here so everyone can see. And uh, it was an uncomfortable experience. You get them all up in there. I haven't got my ass grabbed that much in a while. thought I was going to get a dinner out of it. Work on that. Yeah. Most people charge for that, but uh, I guess I give it away for free. So, <laughs> whatever, man. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, thank you guys so much for checking out the uncontested. If you joined us live tonight, we appreciate it. Love that you guys got on. Uh, we love interacting with you all in the chat. Kamiar is uh, chiming in about bombs in airports, so that's great. the uh, The FDA is uh, FDA. Not FDA. <laughs> FDA. I've been following too much COVID vaccine. FBI. Uh, the NSA. NSA. Is probably all over us now. If you're listening to this podcast on the podcast version, thanks so much. Please do us a favor. Go drop a five-star rating on iTunes. That'd mean the world to us. We'd love you forever. We will be back with you again in a mere uh, about 26 hours 
after the Thunder finished playing against the Portland Trailblazers. And I'll be back with you guys in about an hour with a uh, Chiefs post game. So there you go. Be ready for that. Taylor does have the post game <laughs> tomorrow against Portland. Uh, I think I'm gonna gonna join him. You'll get a two man the two man pick and roll game tomorrow. So be ready for that. Thunder, the door. Thunder have uh, Phoenix and Chris Paul on Wednesday before coming home for the Brooklyn Nets. We will be here with you all week. You guys stay safe. Have a great start of your week. We'll be back with you real, real soon. Until then, and as always, thunder up. And go get me one of those COVID dogs. As a parent, no two days are ever the same. At Care.com, you can find trusted and flexible sitters to help manage your family's ever-changing schedule. Care.com can even help you out with housekeepers, dog walkers, senior caregivers, and more. So you can find care for all you love. And 100% of caregivers who use Care.com have been background checked with CareCheck, a key first step in hiring confidently. To get the help you need to make it all work, sign up now and find a great sitter at Care.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.